done it. And I'm here, welcome. Hello. Um, happy <laughs> recording day. Happy recording day. Happy episode day when you're listening We've to it. We've done it. We've done it. Hopefully. Hopefully this one gets out on time. Hopefully this one gets out on time. <laughs> Sorry for technical difficulties. If anyone works for Apple, just like hit us up. And hit us up. We have a complaint to make. <laughs> yeah. Things are not functioning as they should, but we hopefully are. I think we are. I mean, <laughs> we're here. We, listen, through no fault of our own, we had, <laughs> had an episode planned. And here we are to make up for it with a brand new one. Yeah. Well, the other one will be new, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Of course, it's, it's not a repeat. It's just it a little later than out. normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So... Anyway, here we are. Happy We're to be here. Who are you? Life. I'm Marguerite. I'm Emily. And we are your hosts for Millennial Poet Society. Um, hopefully you... Ho- hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully you've listened to Tuesday's Who's to Say episode. Oh, um, we had a lovely writer for this week. We hope you enjoy them. We did. And Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making Mark laugh. I don't know why. Um, yeah. yeah. So, we have our Who's to Say episodes. This is our main episode um, where we talk about published poets, but those Who's to Say episodes are for unpublished poets um, or poets who have only self-published uh, collections. And if you would like to be one of those people that we feature, you should email us at millennialpoetsociety at gmail.com. You can find that email address on our Instagram page. Um, just search for MPS underscore podcast on Instagram. Follow us while you're there and then click that email button and send us over some of your stuff. We really love listening or reading your stuff and working with you guys to make the episode. It's so much fun. You know, it's just, it's so cool to hear where you're from and and who's listening and, and, and your process. Get and a chance to, to really get to know our listeners in this kind of intimate way it's, oh, yeah. it's really fun mm-hmm. and uh you know we we're all about supporting new work and new artists and uh I think that's one of my favorite parts about those short yeah. episodes so if you have not yet give those a listen they're like 10 minutes long usually and a quick little 10 to 20 yeah like a quick little like good morning let me just listen to what's new in poetry and mm-hmm it's a fun time. Exactly. People you should keep an eye on. That's right. You yes. can almost you can follow almost all of them on Instagram. Yeah, they're most of great. Them. I don't know if we've ever had one that you can't Isn't find on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, but. no. Um hey, Instagram is all the rage. Um I mean it is. It is. <laughs> uh, we've got some good poets for you this week. Yeah. What are you up to though? What's your week been like? What are you binging? What's oh, the four one one? Um, to be quite honest, I have had very little time to just binge something. Yeah. Or, like, relax. We've been busy ladies. However. Yeah. However. (laughs) However. I did have a Saturday a couple weeks ago where I sat down and was like, I have nothing to do. How nice. So, I watched the first four episodes, well, three, of of um good omens mm. which is the new david Tennant michael sheen show on uh-huh. prime amazon prime video yeah not sponsored but hit us up um <laughs> it's it's pretty funny it's 
It's uh, kind of sci-fi, a lot dark humor, like dark British humor. Um, it's cute. It's it's I don't know. It's just like it's like a sorry. It's like a fun <laughs> project for David Tennant, and I listen to his podcast too. So um, I, I'm just like really binging David Tennant, I guess. Lately. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you can binge um, a person, I guess. Can you? Should you? Oh, I don't know, but. <laughs> But, yeah, David Tennant's been on my radar lately, and, you know, I always love his stuff, but... You know, um, he's this new, like, up-and-coming artist that's on your radar. He's, like, super unknown. Yeah. Um, He's Uh, great. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he's wonderful. And his new show's really funny, and it's, like, it's very lighthearted. It's almost okay to watch with kids. I would say if they're, like... Well, I would say, like, if they're, like, 12 and up, they'd probably like it. Okay. So, it's fun. And, yeah, that's what I've been doing. What about you? Cool. I have been uh, not fully binging because I haven't, like, gotten to watch too many multiple episodes in a row. But uh, I started watching The British Office. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's pretty good. It's funny. Um, I like it. It's on Hulu, not on Netflix. Um, like the other office uh and i love the other office and it was recommended to me to watch the british one so i've started that and it's funny i like it a lot there's lots of um excuse me um british actors uh that like you'll know and recognize from other things that are on it and are funny ricky um we love ricky gervais mm -hmm. we stand ricky gervais in this household yeah that's all we do (laughs) um so yeah, that's what I've uh, started, and then all my usual podcasts and everything, too. Um, right now, on the way home, I was listening to Ma Bim Bam, My Brother, Aww. My Brother and Me. Yep. Ma Bim Bam. Yep. Love the McRoy family. We are a big fan of them, yeah. Yeah. Well, you are, especially. I've yeah. Do you to listen a few, to? A few episodes here okay. and there. Um, uh, just, um, just Ma Bim Bam. I almost said Millennial Poet Society. I just just like, listen to that occasionally, you know, <laughs> only every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have this coffee that I'm not sure if he gave me oat milk or not. Mm. I asked for oat milk and then I got it and I was like, this tastes really good, but like not really like it has oat milk in it, but maybe it's just, I, I got a lot and maybe it's because there's more milk in it than normal because normally I'll get a cold brew with oat milk and they were out of cold brew so I got an iced latte Mm. with oat milk Mm -hmm. and but as I was checking out I thought he was saying I thought he was asking like saying you want it cold right or like saying like cold right and I was like yeah iced I was like that's weird to say cold versus iced or whatever because it's like an iced latte um and then I got it and I was drinking and I was like what's he saying instead of saying cold was he trying to say what's he saying oat or oat I don't know. But I said, yeah, either way. I was like, yeah, iced. And he was like, and then, yeah. So I don't know. It tastes good, but hopefully Aww. I'm not going to, like, die later in the mm, bathrooms. is <laughs> a joy. Oh, it's so much fun. Um, <laughs> the simple joys of lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. our new podcast coming to you next week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> um just felt like throwing that out there. I'm still drinking yeah. it, though. It tastes good, so good I'm luck. it. Mark, we best, shall uh, see. Best of luck to you. To both of us, I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> I might just uh, go to bed early tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so all the flatulence aside, um, <laughs> how uh, 
Uh, how are we going to do this? You want me to go first? It's my turn, right? Yeah, it's your yeah. turn. It's like I, I, yeah. 18. <laughs> 17. I'm odds. Yeah, 17. <laughs> I was going to say, you were like, it's your turn. 18. It's a, it's a... It's a weird week. It's a weird week. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I'm happy to go next. First. It's your... Oh, your nails look great. <gasps> Thank you. They're I my own nails. I love them. And you know what the That's best part is? That's a pretty color. Thanks. Uh, if you can't see them because you you can't, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I got my nails done because I'm going to a wedding this weekend. Me too. Actually, when you hear the, this, it'll, it'll be, be like two weeks two weeks from ago. Now. But listen, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited for this wedding. I cannot wait. We're two. missing pride in New York City, but we're celebrating two lovely women in our lives that yes. are amazing. We cannot wait. Uh, I am. Beyond pumped, and so thank you. I got my nails. Your nails look so good. The best part is, I shaped them myself. Oh, did you? I was yeah. gonna say they are very nice shape. Thank you. Did you I, shape them like beforehand or something? I I have been doing this thing where I shape them like every other day. Oh. Do you um, use the thing I gave you? No, I do this at the like oh. a regular. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, shape the nails. At the you office. know, like that typical. You know the stereotype of a receptionist who yeah. has like. But you're not a receptionist. Nails. You're I an know, office manager. But there's a moment where I do kind of feel like a receptionist, uh -huh, where, where I'm like, I don't really have nails. anything to do right now. Let me just file my nails at work. It's the worst thing I could ever do. Don't at me. But like, I'm Whatever. not busy. So live your life. So, shape yeah. those nails, and they look real fun. So. Oh, they look so good. Thank you. My it's toes nice, are also like, painted. Neutral too. color, but like. Baby blue. Oh, I thought you said baby blue for a second, and I was like, I hate to inform you that that is not baby blue. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you know, baby blue. Baby blue. <laughs> I'm a baby blue expert. That's right, you are. Um, she looks great in it, guys. It's amazing. Thank you. Pastels um, are just like. Pastels <laughs> are just my thing. They I are. I didn't have mine. Wait, we're wasn't. What is that bit? Crazy thing about me. Um, and then you say something that's really like average. So I you're like, know. okay, like weird fun fact about me. I love pizza. I know, I know. <laughs> it's like we used to do that. It might have been our friend Maddie. Um, that we used to Maybe. do that. I thought it was with you. Anyway. No. Long story short. <laughs> anyway. I have too many friends. I cannot be bothered. <laughs> We're gonna oh. talk about poetry now. Oh. oh my god, the face you just made. Oh, okay. It's hot in Brooklyn. It's a weird week, and we're here. Hello, Hi. everyone. <laughs> my poet for this week. I'm only doing one because I think they're a good one. <laughs> I don't know. Good. Because I decided to. That's always a good thing to um, think. My poet's name is Andrea Gibson, and we're keeping Ooh. in the theme of Pride Month. Even, Even if this might not come out during Pride Month. Uh, mine won't, but you are keeping in that theme. I'm, no, it's fine. I am keeping with my theme, like I said I would. Yeah, you just um, said me, so I was like, mine's not going to be. Oh, I'm sorry, didn't mean to. <laughs> I'm keeping in the theme of Pride Month, and uh, we are talking about Andrea Gibson. Andrea was born August 13th, 1975. April, uh, oh, April, where the... <laughs> that anywhere on my page. <laughs> All right. Um, Andrea is an American poet and activist, originally from, I might mispronounce this, Calais, Maine? 
See? Sure, yes, yeah, that's correct. Yes, Kalea's Maine. You can't tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Uh, their poetry focuses on gender norms, social reform, politics, and the struggles LGBTQ people face every day in our society. Mm-hmm. They grew up in Calais, Maine, like I said, with their sister, Laura. Gibson's home was strictly Baptist, and they attended local schools before going to St. Joseph's College of Maine. Gibson lived for a, a time in New Orleans after having moved there with a girlfriend, and later, the couple moved to Boulder, Colorado in 1999, where they settled. I believe, I have not heard anything to the contrary, I believe they are still together and living in Boulder. Cool. Um, yeah, the, it, the, it sounds like the girlfriend is a big uh, influence or uh, muse. Mm-hmm. For Gibson, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Gibson went to their first open mic in Denver, where they became inspired to become a spoken word artist. So they've been writing a spoken word since around 1999, 2000. Okay. Um, and like I said before, many of their poems deal with gender identity. Regarding gender, Gibson has said, quote, I don't necessarily identify with a gender binary. I've never, I've never in my life really felt like a woman, and I've certainly never felt like a man. Hmm. I look at gender on a spectrum. Andrea yeah. is a, yeah, that's great. And yeah. I, yeah, so, more power to you. Right. Uh, Andrea is a four-time Denver Grand Slam champion. Four Amazing. times. That's a big one, isn't it? The Denver one? Yeah, it's yeah. huge. It's massive. Uh, they also finished fourth at the 2004 National Poetry Slam. Amazing. And third at both the 2006 and 2007 individual world poetry slam Jeez. so andrea is slamming going on they are slamming in 2008 andrea became the first ever poet to toe uh to toe oh that's a typo <laughs> autocorrect uh, strikes again i mean well just typing that's <laughs> typing by Sticky fingers strike again. Sticky fingers. <laughs> Andrea became the first poet ever to win. Oh, two. <laughs> oh, the two, the W got moved over from win. I understand. Okay, I was like toe in to win. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea was the first poet ever to win the Women of the World Poetry Slam in Detroit. Awesome. Amazing. They also published their first book in 2008 called Pole Dancing to Gospel Hymns. Ha! It's a great that's title. That's fun. I yeah. love it. Uh, this was also followed by The Madness Vase in 2012, Pansy in 2015, Take Me With You in 2018, Lord of the Butterflies also in 2018, and recently in 2019, How Poetry Can Change Your Heart, which was co-written with Megan Fowley. Cool. Yeah. Um, Take Me With You was published by Andrea, and it is a book of quotes and phrases illustrated by Sarah J. Coleman as a sort of greatest hits work, which mm, I love. I think that's, that's awesome. Um, uh, they also do this really cool thing, Andrea, uh, where they've come out with albums mm-hmm. that incorporate music with their spoken word. Okay. So this can be seen on their album Yellowbird from 2009. Uh, Yellowbird was a project that they devised in order to write about risky topics that carried a threat. 
Okay. You just have to listen to it to yeah. kind of understand that. Yeah. Um, have you listened to it? I listened to a snippet of it. Uh, it's amazing. Cool. The music is funky and great. Uh-huh. I love it. Amazing. Uh, Confronting Fear was a theme in Poems on Yellowbird and their next album, Flower Boy. They have released a total of seven albums to date, including the 2018 release, Hey Galaxy. Hmm. Hey Galaxy. Waving. <laughs> Andrea. Hey. Hey. Andrea has <laughs> cited Sonia Renee Taylor, Derek Brown, Patricia Smith, and Mary Oliver as some of their influences. So Amazing. there's a couple MPS alums yeah, in there. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. Derek is spelled D-E-R-R-I-C-K. And... Um, it just makes me laugh because I, I know somebody else named Derek Brown and um, I saw it and I was like, what's he doing? <laughs> but it's not spelled the same. So mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> um, they frequently sell out their national tours. Gibson says, quote, the connection they establish with fans is often as freeing as it can be painful, which is to say there are no trigger warnings before performances, despite the content, including themes of violence, racism, homophobia, and other difficult topics to navigate pertaining to identity and personhood. On their latest album, Andrea asked their audience, which is inevitably a sea of white queers like themselves, uh, to question their culpability in a perpetually racist society. So they use their work a lot to self-reflect and then also to really call attention to some of the problems that our society has, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Gibson says, one of the first times I read it, this poem, Letter to White Queers, mm-hmm. uh, I was near St. Louis and there was a police officer from Ferguson at the show who asked me to come on a ride with her and spend a day with her in the patrol car so I could get a more well-rounded perspective. And I said no. Because in the, I, I'm assuming, now this is me generalizing, I, I think they said no because... Um, the point is not to, I mean, in this instance, the point was not to hear both sides necessarily, mm-hmm. but to, and to, and to, you know, commiserate with the, the cops that were doing the shooting, but mm-hmm. to give a voice to those that were silenced. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, which I get, like, I don't blame Gibson for saying no, you yeah. know, I probably wouldn't have wanted to either. Right. Um, they say that they learned a lot from talking to people after shows and um, about the pieces, and often they will change lines or delete whole poems from sets because of the things that they talk about uh, with with the audience. Mm. Um, sometimes they'll look back at poems written years ago and revise because they didn't know enough at the time to have written something like that. So, okay. like they'll say, they said, like ah, ah, uh, I'll look back and say, oh, I, I, I really shouldn't have written that because that's maybe that's offensive to someone now, but I didn't know at the time that I was maybe offending someone. So they, they reprint the album with those tracks in there, hmm. uh, without those tracks on there. Um, in addition to writing poetry and using it as a way to comment on the social and political climate, Andrea is involved in many activist groups, and they also perform at Take Back the Night events. Which, okay. you know, take back the night. Yeah. Great organization. Uh, for the past 20 years, Gibson performs has performed with Vox Feminista, a 
performance tribute uh, tribe of radical feminists bent on social change through cultural revolution. I want to go see where they perform. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Uh, in 2013, with the help of Kelsey Gibb, they launched the website and support system, Stay Here With Me. It's uh, described as an interactive, safe space offering collective support while encouraging individual healing to keep those who visit alive today and wanting to stay alive tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that's really great. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to read one of their poems. Yes, one of their poems, mm-hmm. and it is called Honey, and I really, really like it. Yay. I don't know if this is one off of an album with music behind it, but it really sounds like it could be. Okay. Um, but I found it, it online, just like on a random website, and unfortunately it didn't have any link to say, it, say yeah. like where it's from. But it is written by Andrew Gibson. Yay. This is Honey. She keeps her makeup in a ceramic bowl of bullets beside a jelly jar full of gardenias on an old dresser in Mississippi, where outside tomato plants grow in the bellies of old boats and she carries a knife just in case she finds something she wants to carve her name into. I swear to God, if I had an Adam's apple, I would tell her to peel it and take a bite, meaning this time I am not turning back. I am not turning in. I am not turning over every leaf of all my leaving. I am moonlighting as the moonlight. My shine is working overtime. Just to hear her call me honey. It makes me feel like the bee's knees, like I could finally lose my past, like the keys to the getaway car, like all my fucking up might finally be out of gas, like there will be no more war fought in my name. What if my name is nothing but honey? Do you realize I gave up on this in my 20s? You were the first thing I ever wrote on a vision board. I cannot wait to tell you the truth better than I have ever told the truth before. And no, that does not mean I'm going to tell you you look like Marilyn Monroe, but you do. Mm -hmm. And it makes me want to run for president. Jesus fucking Kennedy, do you have any idea how gorgeous you are when you're tripping? Literally tripping? Mm -hmm. I have never met anyone more clumsy You walk into a room and turn every head when you crash to the floor, and I'm like, that's my girl. Uh That's my girl. With a busted lip, and no, she's not embarrassed. That's a sunburn she already had from my moonlight. Now bring me a Shirley Temple. I'm going to trampoline every inch of cement in this town, and she's going to teach me how to bounce and make a... Bounce back, mixing her southern polite with her New Orleans fuck off. Honey, I want to hear every story about your whole life. Tell me again about your ghetto blaster birthday cake. Tell me again how you were master pumpkin carver. Tell me again how you've never been to therapy. Why does that turn me on? You have a friend who tattooed the words you wish on her ring finger. I have a friend who pulled out her tampon on the streets of Manhattan and threw it at a misogynist cop. We are perfect (laughs) for each other. Come drink drink like a fish in my desert city. I want to be the fairy in your Irish pub. I want to be your pretty boy. I want you to tell all your friends you're out of my league so I can slap you high five when I'm sliding into home. So when I start writing down our love in public poems, you know you can burn all my books if I don't live up to my word. 
If you ever have any doubt that I'm not, that I'm gonna live up to the altitude of your highest hopes, remember it was for you that I overcame my fear of flying. For you that I learned the ropes to rescue remedy. Do not, under any circumstances, rip off the top of the bottle and start chugging it like booze. You'll freak out everyone on the plane and you don't need enemies at 30,000 feet. Trust me. <laughs> Honey, you just need to know this is the first time I've ever done this without looking for an exit row, and I'm pretty sure my seat can't float, but I've already fallen to the sky for you, already said no to the parachute, already told my mother you curse like a sailor, and you love like the war is finally over, and you have just come home, and you are running down the dock, and the harbor screaming my name. You're screaming, honey, honey, and I'm screaming, don't trip, and you're <laughs> screaming, honey, honey, and I'm screaming, baby, don't fall down. I am running for your red lips. I am running for your red heart with my red heart, red as a Mississippi sunset. Honey, honey, honey. Wow. Isn't that just like... I can't read it without a big smile on my mm -hmm. face. Like, it makes me so happy. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's such a feel-good poem. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I feel like it, it just embodies this sort of, like, the comfort of knowing that you've found, like, your person. Right. And the excitement of getting to know them and and but knowing them so well already and right. I don't know it just it feels like joy mm -hmm. it yellow is all I see when I read this poem yeah. like, so I love it what did you think what were your thoughts on this it, it's beautiful it's it's a lot of stuff but it's, it's a lot <laughs> it's very long it is um but yeah I mean all of the different imagery and it's like it's very sort of stream of consciousness but with like you can follow it and it's like all this beautiful imagery and um I love the wordplay in it yeah yeah I love and how like sometimes things rhyme a little bit but it's like it's because of the lilt that the word gives the sentence uh -huh. uh, rather than the actual rhyme scheme of the piece mm -hmm. I love that yeah yeah, I mean, it's just, like, the most beautiful poem that you would want someone to write for you. Right? It's like, <laughs> I want somebody to write a love poem like that for me, or yeah. I want to write that kind of love poem for somebody, right, you know? Right, like, yeah. It's such a joy. It's It, it celebrates mm -hmm. this person to such an extent that you're like, I don't know who you are, but I want to know you. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know who this person is that they're talking about, mm -hmm. but wow they seem great you know yeah. just it it when you're reading it 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 just sort of makes you giggle like it's like it comes out like a laugh and i, mm -hmm. I love that mm -hmm. so i it's just a little sunshine for you on this friday yeah know? yeah so amazing yeah very sweet so that is andrea gibson amazing yeah i Wonderful. love their work yay all right well Let's take a little bit of a break and we'll be back in just a minute. Sounds good. Yay. <laughs> I think this has regular milk in it. I don't feel my oh stomach no. doesn't feel great. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know either. 
have too many typos because I copy and pasted a lot of it. Ew. Hey. All right. And we're back. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> Marjorie so. has uh, rectified her tummy troubles and we're Hopefully. back. Hopefully. <laughs> we're back. I've switched to seltzer. I've taken my lactate. I've taken my Tums. So hopefully my tummy's feeling better. <laughs> tummy bubbles. Tummy bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, okay. So you have one poet for us as well this week. Yes, I have one poet this week and it is not in the theme of Pride Month, but... But I think by the time this airs, it won't be Pride Month. I know, so. yeah, but it's Pride Month right now. But um, I just really wanted to do Joy Harjo, who okay. is the... Uh, she was just named the new uh, U.S. Poet Laureate. Yes. In the fall, she'll be taking over from Trace, uh, Tracy K. Smith, who Yay. we did in episode one. So That's so funny. Yay. What? I'm nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just wanted to talk about her because that was very recent news and thought we should spread some news about her Absolutely. if the people in the community didn't know, and even if they do know, maybe learn a little something they didn't. And hear a fun poem, too. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. So, we're going to talk about Joy. She was born Joy Foster on May 9th, 1951 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and she is a member of the Muskogee. Um, uh, nation. Cool. Thank you for the thumbs up. I I listened to it, and also there's a couple different spellings of it. And so the first spelling that I saw, which was on her website, I was like, "Whoa, how do you say huh? that?" <laughs> but then I saw another spelling that it's a little bit more phonetic, and um, and I also listened to a couple people say it. So, and they are um a Creek Nation. Um, uh, her father was a member of the Muskogee Creek uh, Nation, and her mother was mixed um, race, of mixed race ancestry, uh, Cherokee, French, and Irish. Wow. And so this makes her, Joy, the first Native American U.S. Poet Laureate, which is very exciting, Yay. but also like, why the fuck did it take so long? Right. Um, she mm -hmm. will be the third U.S. Poet Laureate, 23rd, <laughs> the 23rd. Like, really? <laughs> no, 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 they not the third. They serve some long terms. <laughs> the 23rd U.S. Poet Laureate. Um, she took her paternal grandmother's surname when she enrolled as a member of the Musco uh, Muscogee Creek uh, Nation at 19. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, so that's where Harjo comes from. Mm -hmm. She studied at the Institute of American Indian Arts and earned a BA from University of Mexico and her MFA from, Iowa, from the Iowa Writers' Workshop at the University of Iowa. Wow. Um, she uh, is an important figure in the second wave of literary Native American Renaissance, um, which was in the in whatever the late 20th century mm. um, so she's a really big figure in that uh, in addition to writing books and other publications Harjo has taught in numerous United States universities performed at poetry readings and music events and released five albums of her own original music Wow yeah she oh plays saxophone Ooh. alto saxophone you played alto. alto yeah 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 I really wanted to learn soprano but I just I never did oh and that's <laughs> for Holy Beings, published in 2015, Crazy Brave, published in 2012, 
and How We Become Human, New and Selected Poems, 1975 to 2002, and it was published in 2004. So those are just a few, but she's published many. Um, she had a hard childhood. Um, her parents divorced when she was young. I don't know about how old, but um, her father had been both emotionally and physically abusive and mm. when he was drunk, and he was drunk a lot. Um, and her stepfather was a man who disliked Native Americans and was equally abusive. Oh, my gosh. Um, which is interesting. I mean, I feel like this is sort of the second poet, uh, the episode that will come out last week. I talked about um, a poet whose um, own mother was distrusting of her right. because of, like, her skin color and everything. So right. it's just such an interesting thing to have these paternal people and these people who have made these choices to be with someone knowing who they are and you would think that they would embrace that rather right. than yeah and that's i mean especially the, the people that it's eight o'clock oh I is it eight o'clock sorry <laughs> but especially those people that you choose to put in your life right you well know, it's like these people children don't necessarily choose to have these people in their lives no, 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 it's no, like, like their parents, parents bring, chose to bring this person into their life but they yeah. hated native americans so, and isn't she isn't wasn't there? Her yeah, mother? she was she was mixed Cherokee, French, and Irish. So maybe she was like passing, not right, or like Americans. didn't embrace that side of her as right. much. And so he was like, "Oh, you're okay." Like, oh it's god, so fucked up. what a dick. Yeah. So mm. obviously, all of this negatively affected Harjo, even making her scared to speak at some point in her childhood, which then caused her to have difficulties with teachers at school. Mm-hmm. Um, but she loved painting and found that as a way to express herself. Um, at the age of 16, she was kicked out of her family home by her fucked up stepfather. And she moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where she enrolled in the Institute of American Arts. Wow. Uh, at first... Talk about making, like, the best out of a situation, Right. Like... Exactly. How... Mm-hmm. I mean, she made that for herself, right. but, like, how lucky mm-hmm. to be able to find right refuge in a place like that. that yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. So, at first, when she enrolled at the University of Mexico, she began... Oh, um, so she went there, the Institute of American Indian Arts, and right. then, um, and then she, after that, went to the University of Mexico, of New Mexico. I just said Mexico. You had said Mexico earlier, but then you had said New Mexico, so she had gone to... Yeah, it's the University of New Mexico. Gotcha. Yeah. So when she enrolled there, she began as a pre-med student, but yeah. Interesting. Right? Um, But sciences and arts go hand in hand. Oh, they do. 100%. But I just think it's so funny, because when I talk to people about, like, how I originally wanted to study physics and musical theater, they're like, oh my god, and I'm like, no, it's like the same part of your brain. Right? I mean, it's not, but it is. Well, but it's... But it's very closely use, related. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's... Using your creative side helps you to understand, like, math and science and everything like that right. so much more. And, yeah. And using the analytical side of your brain helps you appreciate yeah. music and arts. Better, yeah. I'm sure. Cognitively, it makes sense. Um, <laughs> Cognitively. <laughs> I know words. He had a brain fart. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, she later changed her major to art and then to creative writing, um, uh, and she was inspired by different Native American writers um, in her decision to change that. Hmm. She married fellow uh, IAI, which is the Institute of American Indian Arts, um, student Phil Willman, um, hmm. and they had a son together, but then they later divorced. 
Um, after dis- happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. After discovering uh, her calling to be a writer, she had readings with Simon Ortiz, and he became Ooh. a mentor for her, and they developed a very close relationship and had a daughter together. Oh, wow. And her name was something very, it was like Rain something. It was beautiful. It's very millennial, but beautiful of her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and it's, she, I mean, with her Native American roots and she embraced, like, Earth and nature. Yeah. yeah, It it, It makes a lot more sense than, It's not just millennial. I mean, she's not a millennial, so. No, but I mean, like, you know, like, the Kardashians. Right. This is my daughter. I don't know if she would be appreciated in being compared to them. No, no, no. I'm not trying to compare it. I'm just, like, (laughs) it's a unique name. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so... She graduated in 1976 uh, from the University of New Mexico and then went on to get her MFA. She then taught at the Institute of American Indian Arts, where she had attended. Mm-hmm. Uh, she taught there from 1978 to 79 and then again from 1983 to 1984. And she taught a whole bunch of places at the Arizona State University, University of Colorado, University of Arizona, uh, University of New Mexico, um, and so all those places and Mm -hmm. she also attended classes on filmmaking at the anthropology film center in santa fe so she has a wide a a vast breadth of interests amazing um artistic interests yeah uh (laughs) as i'm doing a (laughs) yes uh so she played alto saxophone with a band called poetic justice oh funny and Cute. cute Uh, she also edited literary journals, and she's written screenplays. Amazing. In 1955, Harjo received the Lifetime Achievement Award for the Native, Native Writers Circle of Americas. And in 2002, she received the Penn slash Beyond Margins Award for A Map to the Next World, Poetry and Tales, which is one of her books. Mm. In 2008, she served as a founding member of the Board of Directors for the Native Arts and Cultures Foundation, for which she serves as a member of its National Advisory Council. And um, she joined the Faculty of American Indian Studies program at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in January 2013. Um, in 2016, she was appointed the Chair of Excellence in the Department of English at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. And chair of Excellence. The Chair of Excellence. This is our chair. Yes. It is excellent. <laughs> it's a Chair of Excellence. <laughs> Wonderful. Um... <laughs> She, so Harjo draws on uh, First Nations storytelling and histories, as well as feminist and social justice poetic traditions, and frequently incorporates indigenous, indigenous myths, symbols, and values into her writing. Nice. Her poetry inhabits landscapes, the Southwest, Southeast, but also Alaska and Hawaii, and centers around the need for remembrance and transcendence. She once commented, I feel strongly that I have a responsibility to all the sources that I am. To all past and future ancestors, to my home country, to all the places that I touch down on and that are myself, to all voices, all women, all of my tribe, all people, all earth, and beyond that, to all beings and beginnings and endings. Mm-hmm. In a strange kind of sense, writing frees me to believe in myself, to be able to speak, to have voice, because I have to. It is my survival. Her work is often autobiographical and is informed by the natural world and, above all, preoccupied with survival and the limitations of language, mm-hmm. which I feel like are some themes of some of our recent poets as well, yes, um, survival yes. and the limitations of language or mm-hmm. using poetry to sort of help express yourself because regular prose can't do it or something. Right, right. Um, 
Harjo's work is also deeply concerned with politics, tradition, remembrance, and the transformational aspects of poetry. Um, Leslie Ullman, who uh, writes for the Kenyan Review, said that like a, uh, like a magician, Harjo draws power from overwhelming circumstances and emotion by submitting to them, celebrating them, letting her voice and vision move in harmony with the ultimate laws of paradox and continual change. Nice. Um, the Woman Who Fell from the Sky, published in 1994, was based on an Iroquois myth about the descendant of a female creator. Um, these are just some examples of her work and sort of how, like, the mythology and everything are, are shown in them and used mm. and expressed in them. Um, in A Map to the Next World, Poetry and Tales, and How to Become Human, New and Selected Poems, she continues to draw on mythology and folklore to reclaim the experiences of Native peoples and various multiphonic and uh, as various multiphonic and distinct. Um, cool. Using myth, old tales, and autobiography, Harjo both explores and creates cultural memory through her illuminating looks into different worlds. Um, and I'm including all this because I, I just think it's we talk a lot about mythology and how we people do. incorporate we it. Do. And so um, I just think it's really cool that we keep have, like it's not something that I really thought about that much when we. Right. I'm not actually in my searching it, I'm searching for yeah, writers yeah. that use it, but right, a lot of people do. It's really great to find them when you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so poet Adrian Rich said, "I turn and return to Harjo's poetry for her breathtaking, complex witness and for her world remaking language, precise, unsentimental, miraculous." Um, in recent collections of her poetry and prose, Harjo has continued to, quote, expand our American language, culture, and soul. In the words, uh, in the words of Academy of American Poets Chancellor Alicia Ostreicher. Hmm. In, her judges, uh, in her judges' citation uh, for the Wallace Stevens Award, which Harjo won in 2015, Ostreicher went on to note that Harjo's, quote, visionary, justice-seeking art transforms personal and collective bitterness to beauty, Fragmentation to whole, fragmentation to wholeness, and trauma to healing. Well, I'd say she's a fan. For I'd say sure. Her. Yeah. <laughs> um, she is consistently praised for the depth and thematic com concerns of her writings, and she's emerged as a major figure in contemporary American poetry. While Harjo's work is often set in the Southwest, emphasizes the plight of the individual, and reflects Creek values, myths, and beliefs, her breadth of work has universal relevance. Um, it was asserted Harjo's work draws from the river of native tradition, but it also swims freely in the currents of Anglo-American verse, feminist poetry of personal slash political resistance, deep image poetry of the unconscious, new narrative explorations of story and rhythm in prose poem form. Um, to read the poetry of Joy Harjo is to hear the voice of the earth, to see the landscape of time and timelessness, and most important, to get a glimpse of people who struggle to understand, to know themselves, and to survive. Mm, yes. So just real high praise from everyone. <laughs> I mean, I can see why she was voted into the to poet be poet laureate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so finally, we're going to talk a little bit about some of her achievements. Um, not that we haven't already. <laughs> right, I'm but, sure they're vast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as a critically acclaimed poet, Harjo's many honors include the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Native Writers Circle of Americas the Josephine Miles Poetry Award, the Wallace Stevens Award from the Academy of American Poets, the William Carlos Williams Award from the Poetry Society of America. We've had a few people who have won that. Mm -hmm. um, and the Indian American Indian Distinguished Achievement Award, 
American Indian Distinguished Achievement in the Arts Award. Um, she's received fellows from the Arizona Commission of the Arts, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the uh, Rams, Ram, Rassman Foundation and the Witterbiner Foundation. In 2017, she was awarded the Ruth Lilly Prize in Poetry, and in 2019, she was elected a Chancellor of the Academy of American Poets. Huh. And the then Poet, Poet Laureate. Laureate. New Poet Laureate. Starting in fall this year, right? Yep. yep. Cool. Um, so, yeah, that is all about her. Wow. Um, well, not all, because there's so much about her, but a brief overview of wow. the extensive life. life. Yeah, and she, she still, like, makes music, and she has a collection that either just came out or is coming out this year. Wow. And, yeah, she's amazing. She has such a cool vibe in uh -huh. the pictures that we mm -hmm. posted of her and that I've seen of her recently. Like, yeah. She just, oh, she looks cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's really fun. She's amazing. So, um, she has so many lovely poems, and it was very hard to choose what one I wanted to read, but I really liked this one. I like all of them. Anyway, I chose to read this one. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's called Perhaps the World Ends Here. Okay. And it's from The Woman Who Fell from the Sky, uh, which was her collection published in 1994. The year we were born. Uh, amazing. The world begins at a kitchen table. No matter what, we must eat to live. The gifts of earth are brought and prepared, set on the table. So it has been since creation and it will go on. We chase chickens or dogs away from it. Babies teeth at the corners, they scrape their knees under it. It is here that children are given instructions on what it means to be human. Mm. We make men at it. We make women. At this table, we gossip, recall enemies and the ghosts of lovers. Our dreams drink coffee with us as they put their arms around our children. They laugh with us at our poor fall, falling down shell, selves and as we put ourselves back together once again at the table. This table has been a house in the rain, an umbrella in the sun. Wars have begun and ended at this table. It is a place to hide in the shadow of terror, a place to celebrate the terrible victory. We have given birth on this table and have prepared our parents for burial here. At this table, we sing with joy, with sorrow. We pray of suffering and remorse. We give thanks. Perhaps the world will end at the kitchen table while we are laughing and crying, eating of the last sweet bite. Lovely. Yeah, I just really loved it. It's sort of like it. I loved it because it's kind of a s seemingly simple concept. Like right. we're just talking about a table, but it's like so much. And maybe I'm not reading deep enough into it, but to me, it's like she's talking about sitting down at a table and that communal thing of that, like, no matter what culture you're from, no matter what your background is, there's always that moment of communing around some sort of a table, or even if it's like, on the ground on a blanket there's that communal place where you share right. a meal mm -hmm. where you share this mm -hmm. space with these people and gather right. at some point in the day and and share these things and there's I these like that. family feuds that happen or these deaths and these births and all this stuff happens and it's such a significant thing that we don't really give thought to that much right unless it's not there you know right I feel like mm -hmm. it's very uh, we take it for granted, though. We take it for granted yeah. while it's happening. And then uh -huh. as soon as it's gone, it's like... Right. Oh. I, I think we... I mean, we spoke to this a little bit maybe a couple of years ago when we were first living together. 
um, it was it was the sense of like I, maybe I just thought it I don't know but I was thinking about it like we hadn't sat down and like shared a meal mm-hmm. at the kitchen table yeah. where we like cooked the same thing yeah. and were eating the same thing in a long time uh-huh. and yeah no I do and, and that. normally we don't do that uh-huh. because our schedules are different or we're not interested in the same food or right, whatever. Right, right, right. And it's just, it really, when it does happen, mm-hmm. it feels like such a little gift that you give yourself because yeah. you're like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to look at this person yeah. in my life and, mm-hmm. and appreciate that they're here, yeah. that they have shown up for me in mm-hmm. this moment and right, right. that I have shown up for them yeah. and we're just going to be in the same place yeah. and and it's as simple as that and and how how uh, how that can really affect somebody oh, yeah. in a positive way. Well, and I feel like it's such a thing now. I don't know if it's like our day and age or if it's just something that a lot of families have sort of felt throughout time, but it's like I feel like as as like families like the children in the family get older it becomes harder and harder to sit down right. and have that meal mm-hmm. either because people have other things going on like sports practices and all this stuff that's right. you're eating at different times or like maybe people have different dietary things so it's like all right we'll cook your own food and then you're right, off doing right. these things and it's right. like it can get lost a little bit and um like i said i don't know if it's this day and age where people are constantly like engaged in something or their devices or what but i feel like it's also just a natural thing no matter what era you lived in where it's sort of like yeah when people grow up and your kids grow older it's hard to manage their schedules with yours or whatever right right. um well they have more but it's something yeah yeah, and it's something that I feel like I've heard I mean like my parents said and and tried to really make sure we at least like maybe not every day of the week but like we would have our Friday like movie nights or something or like we would have some, some day of the week where it's like we all sit down together and eat and like a movie night or something, like we're not just like talking throughout the whole thing, but it's no, like you're sitting and communing in the same area, conspiring and, together. Yes, breathing yes, together. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, and even just like someone at work the other day was like, yeah, they're my my kids are getting older and like we don't always eat at the same time, but I'm trying to make sure like every night we sit down and have dinner together and all this. And, yeah, and it can so be it's hard. Yeah, it's a valiant effort, I'm sure. Like right, they're, what right. they're trying to do. It can be so know? hard, but it's something that like so many important things happen at such a like seemingly insignificant place. Right. And so right. I, I really love this poem because again, like I said, because of its seeming simplicity, but it's like there's all these things that happen and. Right. Um, Maybe she's talking about something else and using the kitchen table as a metaphor, but I... Well, it doesn't matter, because that's what you <laughs> took from the poem, right. and that's why we're here. That's why but we I honestly think podcast. she's talking about a kitchen table. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I could be missing a bigger meaning, but I, I really think she's just talking about a table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She's what gonna... do you guys think? Do you think it's a table, or do you think it's a metaphor for something else? I mean, what else would it be a metaphor for? For. I don't know. I think I, it's just a kitchen table. Well, I think it's calling attention to those small details. Right. You know, yeah. I think she's she's presenting us. She's with transcending a, the simple things in life and right. making us aware of the actual significance of it. Right. And, and I mean, what better way to call attention to something that maybe is taken for granted mm-hmm. than to blow it up into this mm-hmm. big thing? Yeah. So you have to look at it, you right, know? It's right. great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's such a beautiful poem. Thank you for sharing. Yes. And thank you, Joy, for writing it. And I'm so excited to see what she does as Poet Laureate. Yay. Joy so Marjo. amazing. Yes. Yes. So 
for this week. We're really glad you stuck around with us yes. through the, uh, the technical difficulties of yeah. last week. Hopefully, and knock on wood, we'll get things officially figured out um, and not have these problems anymore. That's right. And if you, uh, <laughs> dear listeners, want to help us out with that, yeah. there is a support link down at the bottom of the show notes on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, wherever you're listening. And that link will take you to our anchor page where you can support us for as little as 99 cents a month. Dollar menu, yes. There are also other options if you feel so inclined to give us, throw us us a little more. But the good part is, is that... Give us your money! (laughs) You spent it already! (laughs) I gave you $12,000 a year and you spent it already? You could say, I gave you $120,000, and you mean to tell me you spent it already? Oh, that is copyright John Mulaney. We love him. Um, but yeah. TM, 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 TM. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> um, you can uh, be a savior of ours and yes. throw a little penny cash our way. Yeah, penny cash. Petty cash, but I was saying pennies and then I yeah. said cash, so petty cash. Throw us some cash if you feel so inclined. <laughs> um, asking for money is weird and awkward, but it will help us make this better. podcast better for you to listen to. Get us so, better equipment. Get us someone who can do better editing than me just doing my minor garage yeah. band edits. <laughs> you do a valiant, a, a val- I keep saying valiant effort, but you, you're doing a great job. I mean, Thanks. it's not doing a great job. For the, for the A- little to no training you have <laughs> yeah <laughs> and for the the lack of time you have you're doing great sweetie <laughs> thank you but we would love to take something like this off of mark's plate so <laughs> if that is something you feel like you could support us with we would love you for it yeah and you know what really does help too even if you don't think you can donate a month monthly or whatever is sharing this with people who can listen because through Anchor, we're able to have advertisers, and yes. getting people listening helps support us in that way, too, and even just a little bit goes a long way. So share it with people that you think would love to listen, and that is a really great help also. Absolutely. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you're finding your podcasts. Um, you can help us spread the word that way. Um, you know, any anything... No, there is no, there's nothing to Literally anything. <laughs> Just help. And I'm not ashamed to ask for it. Help. No. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we, for those of you who have, thank you so much. Yes. Um, and we just want to take a quick moment and give a special thank you to Zach Adkins for mm-hmm. his intro and outro music of every episode. I love it. We love it. You love it. It's great. Um, and <laughs> as always, rate review you can submit your new work on our instagram via email however you want to call us be us reach us um Uh that is (laughs) that is how you can do it and we love hearing from you we love that you listen we love you we do a hundred percent with our whole hearts yes thanks for listening thanks i'm gonna go eat more time